0: Uh, We had an amazing privilege and opportunity last night here at Calvary to host uh, the uh, gala for the Alabama-Israel Task Force uh, historic event. Uh, One of the historic happenings and and properties of of what took place last night was Deputy Speaker of the Knesset, the Israeli Parliament, uh, the Honorable Hillick Bar was here and uh, shared an amazing address The highest ranking Israeli official to ever visit the state of Alabama. Uh, Last week prior to the gala, he spoke before the joint session of the Alabama uh, Senate and and Congress, representatives. Uh, And so it it was just an amazing, amazing time. You know at Calvary, our stand with the nation of Israel and our brothers and sisters there. Well, the last night the gala was, was so dynamic, so many great things happened. But we had a unique, unexpected privilege to accompany that. You know, many of you were not able to come last night. So, uh, uh, Speaker Barr and I- Icky Elner, uh, a dear friend that I've come to know and respect, a founder and director of the Israel Leadership Institute, have have stayed over with us today. And before I share my message, they're going to give us an address and an update uh, again, this is a historic moment for the state of Alabama and for the church to stand with the nation of Israel. For them to come and request to be here today is really a significant moment. Uh, I, I would say this, and you've heard me share this before. Uh, Genesis 12. We, we begin there in the book of Genesis, in the beginning. And God said to Abram, Abram, you have to leave your father's household and your home, your family. and you want to go to a place that I'll show you. He said, I'm going to make your name great. And he said, I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who curse you. And all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. There's a promise that as we bless God's people Israel, as we recognize God's plan and bless, His blessing comes back to us. And then we understand that we look to uh, the nation of Israel. We look to the Jewish faith. From there, we receive our scripture. From there, we receive the prophets. From there, we receive the Messiah. And so, our connection is deep. God commands us in Psalm 122, pray for the prosperity and the peace of Jerusalem. And so, for these gentlemen to stay over today and want to connect with us uh, in a historic week for the state of Alabama is quite a rare opportunity. So uh, first I'd like to invite Icky Elner, if he would come, the director and founder of the Israel Leadership Institute. Let's give both of these gentlemen a welcome to Calvary.
1: So how do we say hello in Hebrew? Shalom. Shalom. Uh, Thank you, Pastor Sawyer. It's a great honor to be here. Thank you all coming to church on Sunday. I saw so many uh, T-shirts with I Love Sundays. Now, I know you worship on Sundays, we worship on Shabbat, Saturdays, but i got to tell you something that is very common, and I will speak in a minute about what's mutual between our sister faiths. But there's something very unique about us going to our synagogues on Shabbat on Saturday and you coming to church on Sunday. You see, there is a thing in the Jewish faith or the development of the Jewish faith that is called minyan. Minyan means you have to get ten people together to put a proper prayer to God. The thing of coming together and not just staying at home and praying alone, but coming to the house of the Lord, to the the place where you worship together, makes it stronger. And why? when I see so many people here coming here today to church, I feel very happy and very proud, still while I'm a Jew. And I don't think the Jews were invited to churches for 2,000 years so far. This is something very new. But I'm not surprised. You know why? Because we are two branches of the same olive tree. And we share, we share, thank you, we share something that makes us brothers and sisters forever you see paul i believe in galatians said that he came first to the jews now there was a long fight with the catholic church for so many hundreds and thousands of years maybe about whether the fact that he came first to the jews means that the jews need to convert and i always say How about we look at the full half of the glass and not the empty one? Why are we looking for what is dividing us? Let's look at what is bonding us together. And I'll tell you something about bonding us together. You know, we Israelis are Jews just like your neighbors. You must have had or have Jewish neighbors. And they are our brothers and sisters. Actually, we all come from exiles and diasporas. But since 1948... Something unique has happened. We are a little bit, the Israelis, a little bit of a different breed, because we have already come back from the diasporas and returned to the Holy Land, which is according to the prophecies of the of the Bible, isn't it? All the great prophets have given the word of God that we will return to our land, but we have become a little bit of a different breed, because we have already struggled, we fight the wars. We stand on our borders. You see, Jews here, just like you, you live in a relatively quiet and peaceful country. Of course, the enemies of God are your enemies, and they're coming after you just as they're coming after us. We all know that. But hey, we're going to be prepared for them, aren't we? We're going to be prepared and stop them where they are. So not only that we have become a little bit of a different breed, but also we have a different attitude that hasn't existed, I would say, for at least 2,000 years. Towards our partnership with our Christian brothers and sisters. And I will tell you why. Because if you look at the Bible. You can see that we have a role. Not only 2,000 years ago. With a Jewish Messiah. But also nowadays. If you look at whatever was written in the Bible, the Old Bible, the New Testament, about the end of the days, you see something very unique. You see in Revelation sixteen sixteen, John tells us, and they gathered them together to the place which in Hebrew is called Har Megiddo. What you would call Armageddon, right? You know that name, right? This is where the last wars the end of the day's wars are going to occur. Now, I believe all of us are praying and waiting for the kingdom of God and the end of the days, don't we? Amen. So where is that Armageddon where the end of the day's war is going to take place? Alaska? Mm Mm-mm. Norway? Mm Mm-mm. France? South Africa? Brothers and sisters, the wars of the end of the day's are going to care in a valley called Jezreel in the north of the state of Israel, under the mountain that is called Armageddon, which in Hebrew is called Har Megiddo. Let me tell you a secret. It's about 20 miles from where I was born and raised. It is not anywhere else but in Israel. What I'm trying to tell you is that we have a role... All of us together whatever happens in the Bible has a connection to Israel and I have a say which sometimes people don't understand it but I mean only well and good in this it all started in Israel and it will all end in Israel amen this is something we have to bear in mind and in our hearts when we stand there and we fight the wars and we fight the enemies of God and we protect the borders of Israel, it is because prophetically we were told to return. And this has happened since 1948 at the creation of the state and it kept on. And every sign that you see or you're looking at is there in Israel. The season, the days, just read the signs, look at them. The people of Israel are returning. The wars are already occurring. Jerusalem is already united. What else does one need to see the signs? We have some good work to do together. And when I operate our leadership school down in Zderot, the town that gets so many thousands of missiles falling on innocent people and kids and older people every year, Launched by the Hamas terrorist organization that denies the very right of the Jews, the Israelites, to live in Israel. I know that when I work there and when I raise the future Davids and Esthers, the leaders of Israel for the future, training them down there where the war occurs every year. I don't know if you ever walked through a barrage of missiles. We do this on a daily basis. But when I do that there, I know that it's God's calling. It's God's calling for you and for me. We have to share this. We have to partner. When I walk there and try to save another soul and another kid and another older person during the wars where the missiles are coming and our our military is fighting the Hamas trying to stop this and it comes again and goes and it comes again and goes... I want to know and I'm asking you for this I want to know that you're with me and with us there can I ask you for this can we really understand that the wars and the blessings are for us to enjoy and also the burden is there for us to share let us fight the wars of God and let us enjoy and share the blessings of God because at that day I'll tell you one thing, that when I always look at what bonds us and does not divide us, at that day there's something I know for sure. The old, ongoing division between the Jews and Christians, whether the coming is going to be the first coming or the second coming. I want to tell you a secret about it. But please don't tell anyone outside this room, of course. When the coming occurs, we're not going to fight each other. We're not going to say, I was right, you were wrong. I was right, you were wrong. Hey, the kingdom of God is coming, amen. Amen. Who's going to fight? We're going to enjoy it. We're going to be blessed, all of us together. So please bear us in your prayers. Please see us as your messengers down there in the Holy Land that you've all read about in the Bible. Know that we appreciate and are grateful for your support. We are willing to stand with our own bodies and give our lives to the protection of israel just be behind us back us for this and the blessing of god will be for you and for us as well thank you so much for letting us be here today thank you i <laughs> thank you i almost forgot my uh, next role which is to introduce my friend and colleague uh, who is a model for many of our students young people who have taken leadership public leadership in our school as a mission for life and I always tell them if you look at this person who is dedicated his life to public service and to a mission to make Israel a better and a stronger place if you would be like him this would be exactly the model of leaders we want to produce in our school And. I think that the dedication and the willingness even to fly over here, which is not part of his duties, it is something that he chose to do and spend his days here in Alabama and bonding and creating new bridges between Israel and the United States and the people of Alabama and his very church just shows how much he's willing to sacrifice and invest in the future of his nation, his land and the future of all of us together. Please welcome warmly the deputy speaker of the Israeli National Parliament, Hillel Bar.
2: Thank you so much, Iki. I always say that I'm not as gifted preacher as Ike Elner, and definitely not as uh, our brother, Pastor Sawyer. And my English is not that good, so I will read some of my notes from the paper. But really, our big brother, Pastor Sawyer, leaders of the community, dear friends of Israel here in Decatur, I'm so happy to be for the first time in Alabama and in Decatur. Good morning and shalom. I'm truly honored and humbled and even very exciting to be here today and on behalf of the people of Israel on behalf of the Israeli Knesset the Israeli Parliament I want to thank you for the opportunity to speak here in this very important church you know since our creation 68 years ago the state of Israel thanks God has flourished as a state in our short history Israel has succeeded in fulfilling the ancient Jewish dream of rebuilding our homeland. The people of Israel have revived our biblical language, the Hebrew. The children of Israel is speaking the language of the prophets. What amazing thing is that? And Israel has competed as a world leader in technology and science and have made the desert bloom. It's not an obvious thing to do. The Jewish people have created a strong Israel, an Israel of truth, an Israel of talent, an Israel that conquers cyberspace and outer space, an Israel that has become a technological marvel and is teeming with innovation. Each day, each and every day, Israel pushes the boundaries of medicine and science to the ends of human imagination. Israel that has one of the world's most vibrant culture and one of the world's most dynamic societies. The modern Jewish state, living in the ancient Jewish homeland, is actually an oasis of liberty and freedom and progress in the heart of the Middle East. And as you know, that's not an easy neighborhood to live in. Uh, My friend, that is the Israel that all of you know that is the Israel that all of you love. That is the Israel that so many Americans love. And that is the Israel that will never stop standing shoulder to shoulder with the country that has been the greatest force of good and kindness that the world has ever known, the United States of America. But alongside our many accomplishments, there are also many, many obstacles and challenges that we're facing every day, challenges that the state of Israel is still need to face and overcome in order to ensure our future as a very strong and safe state and democracy. Chief among among these challenges is, of course, the security issue. And I'm living in Jerusalem, and Jerusalem is a city that every day Jewish people get stabbed, killed, and attacked only because they are Jewish. Only because they are Jewish that came back, as the Prophet said, as the Bible said, to live in our homeland. And Israel stand, not out of our will, of course, in the front line against terrorism, locally and globally. And the threats to its very existence are numerous and daily. The town of Zerot, where Iki chose to live, close to the Gaza border, is a city that is heavily bombarded by Hamas every single summer. Thousands of rockets are shot by Hamas on road every summer. And this city is a constant reminder of our struggle to fight terrorism. The people of Sderot deserve all the possible support that we can give them from Israel and from Alabama. The children of Sderot deserve a future that will allow them to prosper, to pursue their goals, and to enjoy the opportunities like any other child in Israel or in Decatur. The children of Zeroth deserve blue sky free of rockets. And this is sometimes the dream, the simple dream of the kids of Zeroth when you ask them, what is your dream? They don't say, I want to be a fireman or a police officer or, God forbid, a politician. They're saying, my dream is to see blue sky free of rockets. Would you want any one of your Child, to have this dream? God forbid, no. That's a dream of the children of, of Zeroth. This is exactly why Israel, that always aspires and pray for peace, by the way. We Jews pray three times a day for peace. But this is why we're holding also a profound obligation to protect our people. Israel holds a rifle in one hand and a branch of olive at the other hand. But those threats are not right only for Israel. The thing that are threatening us in Israel is the same threat you have in Alabama. These barbaric butchers of ISIS and Al-Qaeda, the very cruel regime of Iran, all these kind of terrorists see us and you as the same. None of us have the right to exist. None of us have the right to maintain a life as we want. If we're not like them, we should be killed. But hell no, we should stand and tell them, Israel is here to stay. Israel is here to stay. (laughs) But my friends, along these troubles Israel is facing, one cannot be blind of God's blessing. Not here in the house of worship. The greatest prophets whom we all know from the Bible have spoken of the return of the people of Israel to their promised land. God spoke through Ezekiel and said, I will bring bring you from the nations and gather you from the countries where you have been scattered with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and with outpoured wrath. And so it was. In 1948, the Jewish state has proclaimed its independence, thanks God. Isaiah speak God's words to the people of Judea at a the time they were under a brutal siege and almost lost all hope. And he said, in that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the remnant that is left of his people. He will raise the banner of the nation and gather the exiles of Israel. He will assemble the scattered people of Judea from the four quarters of earth. And the prophecy, thanks God, has become the reality. The miracles, my friends, kept pouring in. The young Jewish state have survived and won the independence world war against seven Arab armies, seven armies against one, one-day-old state. Isn't that the hand of God? And the young Jewish state also united Jerusalem, my hometown, the eternal and united capital of Israel. Our Jerusalem, the cradle of Jewish civilization, the cradle of our shared faith in one God, in one Creator, in one Almighty. My friends, with dangers and trouble on one side and with miracles and blessings and the hand of God on the other side, the challenges of Israel never stopped. And that is why, for those who believe and support the restoration of Israel, the call is to unite with us to work together, to be our family, to protect God's promise and to remember his words to Abraham. I will bless those who bless you and will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of earth shall be blessed. And what a better cause could be there than standing with the community that is the symbol of our struggle for the land of Israel, a symbol of our struggle for freedom of democracy, the city of Sderot, and your support here today for the town of Zeroth and the Israel Leadership Institute is one, maybe one of the best ways to ensure the safe and secured existence of the people of Israel. Your support in raising the future leaders in Israel, the future Davids and Esthers, ones who are committed to serve their nation, to dedicate their life to God's work, is one of the most moral causes one can pursue. Let us share a commitment. To be a light to the nations and being here today showing your support of us your willingness to stand with us to share our mission and destiny makes you partner in our vision in our dream and most important in reviving the biblical prophecies one last thing after pastor sawyer will get back again to the uh, podium you will see that he is wearing a pin and this pin is the formal pin of the israeli parliament and it is given only to two kind of people or position either to elected mk's member of knesset like me or to the israeli official ambassadors that is represent israel in the entire world official ambassadors like we have here but you pastor sawyer deserve this spin because you are a true ambassador for Israel. There is no better ambassador than you. And I'm proud that we are wearing the same pin and represent Israel. And what can be more amazing than discover that your grandson's name is Israel and your granddaughter name is Judah. This is amazing. This is the, the, the proof for the love of Israel. I salute you for your friendship. I salute you for your brotherhood. God bless the state of Alabama. God bless Israel. And God bless the United States of America. Thank you so much.
0: I'm sorry. Would you remain standing for a moment? I want us to have this opportunity to pray for the deputy speaker. Iki would you join us with our pastors? Please join us here. John, would you please come? As I stood to pray over the deputy speaker in the 8 o'clock service. God quickened a scripture to my heart as I was ready to pray. There was a moment in 2 Kings chapter 6. Where the king of Aram Was at war with Israel And it was not going well The prophet Elisha Began to have Direction from the Lord About where the armies of Aram were moving And strategizing Israel was always ahead of them The king of Aram began to look Among his ranks and said there must be a spy There has to be a traitor How do they know what we're going to do Before we do it And It was God speaking to Elisha. Elisha's servant, when he realized what was happening, he said, Hey, you you, you must stop this. They're going to come looking for you. Once they find out, you're the connection. And sure enough, we read here uh, one morning, When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early in the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Listen to this. This is what we're going to pray. He said, Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are within. And Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes. And he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And Deputy Speaker, our prayer for you and your leadership, Iki and your leadership, and for the nation of Israel is that there are many enemies that surround Israel. And we would be foolish to think, as the speaker said, that those enemies are not also our enemies. We're just next in line. They're standing on the front line. But when it appears at times that you, you fight the battle alone, may you be reminded that God is with you and that we are with you. And there are more for you than there are with them. Why? Not what our eyes can see, but may God open our hearts to see the armies of the Lord that surround you there and keep you safe. And that's our prayer. Let us pray. Father, I pray for the deputy speaker, Mr. Barr, for Icky Elder, for those that have gathered. Lord, they're our brothers, and we pray for them today, for the peace of Israel, for the prosperity of Israel. May your favor surround them like a shield. May our eyes be open to see the armies of God that stand around that holy place. Oh, Lord, I pray that you will defeat the enemies of Israel, that you will defeat the enemies of, of America. You will defeat the enemies of the one true living God, that your blessing and favor, your strength and your courage, your wisdom, knowledge and understanding will be revealed and unleashed among this great place. God, we thank you for those that have joined with us today. We are honored to partner and share together today in this moment. And, Lord, may it go beyond a natural moment. May it be bonded in the Spirit and released in the power of your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Seated, and what a what an amazing privilege that we've had today. This was an unplanned, unexpected opportunity. And again, to Icky and Speaker Barr, what what a privilege to have them stay and share with us in all three services today. A historic moment. I I, I just think there's no coincidence that uh, this coming to Alabama and our meeting together today is in the house of God. Amen. And and it and, and I and I have to just pull a little off of that as you turn to Hebrews ten, you know, with our series that we began called I Love Sundays. Come on. Look what happens on Sundays around here. <laughs> Something very special. I would have worn my t shirt, you know, as we started last week, and I'll have it on again next Sunday. Uh, as we 're just reminding and promoting and, and but I, I just wanted to honor our guests that were here and 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 certainly i 'm so honored and humbled for this recognition and this pen, so I wanted just to express my thanks uh, again let's let 's turn to Hebrews chapter ten, where I began with you last week and and uh, we began to lay the foundation for why the importance of gathering together in worship now I, I had no idea that Icky would give us a Hebraic Uh, Affirmation of why we should come together. What what do you call this? The the, 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 it almost sounds like minions. I don't know. We are uh, sorry. Uh, uh, You know, we (laughs) I got too many grandchildren watching too many movies. But the more spiritual word, you have to have some people get together for the prayer to have its power, huh? We're going to look at that today. I want to go to another level. I've just got a short time now. I, don't, I told the 8 o'clock service, I don't want anyone to get excited and think that my sermon length is now coming shorter. I'm just fitting it in today. So don't get used to this, all right? And uh, So Hebrews 10. We began to look at this. Why the series I Love Sunday? We, we understand that as believers, that as we've been born again and the Spirit of God lives within us, that, that everywhere we go, the presence of God is there. That, that at home, by ourselves, on the way to work, in any moment, we have access to the Lord. We, we can pray. God hears us. We have someone that represents us, a great high priest. And so we're welcomed in the presence of God. So if those things are true, then, then, then what is the importance of coming together? Why, why don't we just stay home? Why, why don't we just do this by ourselves? And, you know, that's part of our, unfortunately, part of our nature, our culture in Western civilization, particularly here in the United States, that, that we're loners, you know, we, we want to do it our way. We're we, we, we somewhat like that. And so it, it takes an effort, a decision, a commitment, a proactive decision that I'm going to get up and leave my home and I'm going to come to a place of worship. And, and, and is there a reason for that? Is there a spiritual, biblical reason? Is it important? I, to begin the series last week, I referenced here in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning with verse number 19, maybe the most powerful statement in the New Testament about why we come together, when you understand the context. Of course, the title of the book, Hebrews. This was written to the Hebrew believers. Many believe that, that were now in, living in Rome, facing unparalleled persecution. Uh, the Roman emperors who were themselves at that time considered to be God had never been challenged in that false deity they thought they possessed by anything like the spread of first century Christianity. And so it happens many times what people fear and don't understand they try to annihilate, do away with. And so the emperors are now persecuting the Christians. They're being Thrown into the lions and, and, and facing the gladiators in, in, in the Roman Forum and, 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 and their homes are being taken and their families are taken. And you would think if there is any group of people that might be given a reason not to corporately worship, it would be these. But we read in Hebrews 10 and verse 25, Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So the very opposite thing you might think. He's saying, I know it may cost you your life. I know it may cost you your home. I recognize the commitment. But I want to tell you, don't stop meeting together. That's the context of this statement. So it must be very important for believers to gather together. There must be something lacking if we fail to do that. And that's what we're studying. You remember I started in, in verse 19 and we, we worked our way through these verses about what God has done for us and then what is going to be our response. Let's look at verse number 22 in Hebrews chapter 10. And notice the corporate information, the corporate directive. It's not just you, me, or, or, or I. It is us. How do we respond? To the incredible privilege to know God personally. Look with me in verse twenty-two. What do we find? Let whom? Let us draw near to God. There's there's a coming together corporately, not only individually. Let us draw near to God with sincere heart, with a sincere heart, in full measure of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23, let us Hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Verse 24, and let us not give up meeting together. Or, or, sorry, I skipped the verse. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Verse 25 then, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. There's a spiritual principle, something so important that if we fail to worship together, that's why I call this series, I Love Sundays, there's something we miss. You remember? Do you remember last week I was trying to illustrate to you this unique challenge in verse 24? And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. You know, I, I've gotten so excited about preaching, I missed something here. <laughs> and, and, and here's what I wanted to do. And you know what? I'm pretty ADD, so I can do several things at once. You know that. And I'm fine with that. I want the ushers to come real quickly. Because I wanted to do something. My poor family, my wife, everybody knows me. On Sundays when I get ready to preach, nothing else exists in the world. How many can understand that? I've got that radar focus. Here's what I wanted to do. And I can jump right in this, all right? I know right where I am, so I'm good. You guys can cue that little video up and get it ready. Here's what I wanted to do. I wanted to give all of us an opportunity, many at the gala did this last night, but but I would like to give us an opportunity to invest in this Israeli Leadership Institute. It's there on the border of Gaza, under constant bombardment. It's a fortress for democracy, freedom and hope, and the right of the nation of Israel to occupy the ground God gave them. And so today I want to give you an opportunity, whatever way God would direct you, to invest in that. To invest and bless Israel. We know the blessings that come when you do that. We know what God has said. And so through these gentlemen, we have a conduit directly to the nation of Israel. To bless those that God calls us to bless. To raise them up. Help them raise a generation of leaders to be strong and, and godly and courageous leading that country. And so uh, let me pray over this opportunity. And uh, and I'm so thankful it is that an opportunity to partner in this, Father, we thank you today for this opportunity to, to uh, give, to share, to encourage, to spur one another on to love and good deeds, for, for this offering, this investment from Alabama, from a church, from Christians, to invest in Israel and the people of Israel, and say to them tangibly, "We love you, we care about you." And this is an opportunity to partner with them. Raising up a generation that will honor you in leading that nation. We give gladly and thankfully in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for letting me back up. And so here we are in verse 24. We can do two things. We can give and, and follow this along. I, I tried to illustrate to you last week, what does this word mean? Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. I told you the word is translated to provoke or to incite. You remember that those two words usually have a negative connotation if someone if you went home today and they said, "How was church today?" and you said, "They really provoked me what what would you what would you think was coming next well what happened? What was bad or what if you went home from church today and 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 someone says well how was how was uh church today and you said i'll tell you what happened we pastor nearly incited a riot inside church today. He incited something. We were provoked. Well, that's used in a godly sense. It is a stirring, moving to action. Not just a thought, but a move to action. So, there's a video clip I've seen. I want to show you. My time's really at a premium. That's how important this is. This is one of the rare moments for you to experience... Something I've never seen personally yet. Now, I've had the privilege of being in thirty countries and working with our missionaries and training many pastors. But what you're about to see is what I would say one of the clearest illustrations of what happens when when good goodness is provoking, inciting an excitement about God. Here's the setting. Here's a tribal area that had never heard the gospel in their native language. The missionary has been working and working and working with them, translating the Bible into their language. And and these people have been listening and filtering this through all of their uh, previous uh, cultural mores. And now they're saying for the first time, you know, I believe this. For the first time, you're, you're going to see the, uh, their cameras were there and the missionary had been teaching and, and the tribe finally says, okay, we believe this. And then the missionary says, because you believe this, it means your sins are forgiven and gone. I want you to watch what happens when the very first time in this village, a whole language group that ever understood the grace and the message of Christ coming to them. I want you to see this. Let, let's look at this for a moment. Listen closely to what happens. Village believer stating that he, too, believes that Christ has paid for his sins. Itau, which means it's true or it's good. It's very true. Village grammar rejoicing that he believes, so does she. Different ones giving testimony as to their belief in Christ as their sin bearer. Mark saying that if they really are believing, then God's word says that their sin is forgiven. It's good, it's true.
1: Spontaneous rejoicing breaks out. This went on for two and a half hours.
2: Isn't
0: that amazing? That's the first time they ever saw that. That's amazing to me. When I, when I thought about it, I said, There's, that was a holy riot incited isn't that an amazing moment? You, you and I had the glimpse. We, we had the privilege of seeing the very first time that language group ever receive the knowledge that God loves them and Christ paid for their sins and 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 they can be forgiven. My goodness! So, so, so we get that now. Uh, let's push on. I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter eighteen and verse nineteen. Matthew eighteen nineteen. Pastor, what's the point of that clip? To show you what happens. Now that's much more demonstrative. And, and, uh, I, I've been in a lot of wonderful places, but I, I, I've, I've never been in, I've never been there the first time, you know. I remember, I remember preaching in China. The first time ever I was preached in China, and, and, uh, we had been, we had been, uh, um, uh, monitored with our group. Every time we would step out of our hotel room, suddenly someone would step out and walk with us everywhere we were going. And they had told us we had gone there initially just to help them rebuild an old building that finally had been surrendered back to a church. And and, and we were just working on the building. They told us you can't preach, you can't do anything. And uh, and and so, but as we went along, they they finally said, okay, they've watched us all week, and I guess we'd conducted ourselves according to the agreement, and they said, okay, Pastor Sawyer can preach Sunday morning in the church, and I'll, and I'll never forget that the church always had one service, and when we got there that Sunday, I don't know how they knew what was going to happen, but when we arrived uh, and we walked up, the, there there was a mob outside. And, and I asked us so what happened, is said, these people have never come to church before. But they, they, they came today. And they only had one service, so what they had to do, these people all waited outside, and we went inside, it was already full. And we preached to them, and when they, they left them, these, this other crowd came and walked in and wanted to hear about the gospel. And what I'll never forget, and I've never seen this happen, because many of those were hearing for the first time, as I was sharing, they, had, they were so beaten down under, under communism and atheism. That as they sat there, they they all sat with their heads down. I All I could see was the top of people's heads. And the longer I told them about the love of God and the power of the gospel and what Christ had done, their heads started coming up. Heads started coming up. When I started, I saw nothing but the top of heads. And, 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 and by the time it was over, the, their faces were up. And they were smiling or sitting on the edge of their seat because someone gave them some good news. And what happens is that when we come together... As believers, we must never lose the sense of gratitude of what He has done for us and take it for granted and make it common. Because we gather together, something powerful takes place. There's a reason we're here today. It's, it's to spur one another on to love and good deeds as we bless Israel, as we... Privilege to partner there as we send missionaries to do what you saw there. That happens because we care enough to come together. But what I want you to see is that when we make a move towards God, when we gather together, when we move toward Him, James says, if you draw near to God, what will He do? He will draw near to you. So look, look, look at this promise that happens when we corporately come together. Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 19. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. And then verse 20. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. Where we gather together, the Lord says, there I am. I come there. See, we we dwell and we live with this unimaginable privilege that Christ lives within us, that the Spirit of God indwells us because our sins are forgiven and that we, we've been given relationship. And it's not because we earned that. It's called what? Grace, unearned favor. Christ paid for that. But because of that unique privilege, we, 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 we live, we walk with His presence. But He says that when we come together, there is a, another dimension, another dimension. The manifested presence of God. God comes. God steps in. Church is no longer a history lesson about an ancient God or just a promise of a someday God. But we began to walk and encounter the presence by His Spirit of an ever-present Almighty God living, dwelling, walking with us in the everyday affairs of our life. There's a manifestation in the midst of them, He says. If I had more time, I would take you through each one of these, but let me just give you the reference and you can study in Acts 2, in Acts 4 and verse 27, this same word of, of, of the, when you come together, we find in Acts chapter 4, they, they, they had been rebuked for preaching the gospel. They had been imprisoned for the first time. And they, and Peter and John are released and they come back and the Bible says the believers gather together. The same word found here in Matthew 8, Matthew 18 20 and and the Bible says that as they came together and he says when we get together I'm going to be there as they came together the Bible says the presence of God was so dynamic the place they were in was shaken by the power of God I I read later on in the book of Acts in in chapter 11 of verse 26 the same word used again that the believers gathered together. Together there. They gathered together and for the first time they were called Christians. There was something about the gathering together of the believers. I want you to get this. That so released the manifested presence of God. When they came together, they were called Christians for the first time. The quality of God was obvious and tangible. And those around them who had never been exposed said, those are Christians. Those are Christ-like ones. There's something about their gathering together that brings God close to us. Anybody follow me on this line of, of reasoning, what we're seeing here? It's an amazing concept that God gives us. And, and He says, not only am I in with you uh, and with them, I'm in the midst of them. I'm in your midst. In John 20 on the on, the, on the, the 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 first day of the week when Christ walked into the midst, the same word used in John twenty, and the disciples were hiding behind closed doors and fearful for their life and, and, and tentative about their future. And the Bible says that that he came same word in Matthew eighteen twenty and he promised, and he stepped into their midst. And he looked at them and he said, Don't be afraid. Let peace be in your life. And then He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. You know what the promise of God is? When we come together, God shows up. When we get together and worship on Sunday, there's a manifested presence of God. There is a fresh encounter. The wind of His Spirit begins to touch our lives and change us. and we, we are blessed to be in the presence of Almighty God want you to turn to one final scripture and uh, Psalm 133. We understand as you're turning to Psalm 133, the, the book of Ephesians tells us that, that, that Christ is the head of the church. And we're His body. We're His hands and feet. We're His mouth and His ears and His eyes. We, we, we carry forth His work and His will on this earth. He's the head. We're the body. And I love to say it, if He's the head... And we're the body. And the Bible says that Satan has been defeated by him and that he put Satan under his foot. Well, we're the body. So if Satan's under his foot, where is he today? He's under our foot. Go ahead and just put your, head, your foot on his head right now. Just enjoy it for a minute. Just go ahead and say, you know, Satan, you're not going to win this battle. You're, you're not going to get my family. You're not going to steal my money. You're not going to break my joy. You're not going to take my health. You're not going to defeat Israel. You're not going to do what you said. You're under my feet. Just want to remind you. You ever heard somebody say, that guy needs to be put in his place. Well, let's put the devil in his place right now. Just go ahead and put him in his place. It's where he belongs. But why am I quoting those scriptures from Ephesians 1? Because I want you to see this. Shockingly as I close. <laughs> Don't get used to it. See if all you go to church and to get a sermonette, you'll just be a little Christianette. <laughs> and you go home and sit at your dinette And look at the internet. I'm going to stop. (laughs) Oh, me. So look at Psalm 133. We love Sundays. I love Sundays. I love Sundays. No, I I, I begin every day praying. My walk with the Lord, I I don't live a different lifestyle on Sunday than I do on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. There's something about Sunday that God blesses with His manifested presence. Here's one more way to say this. Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. The word live is translated in the King James translation dwell. Connotation is an abode, a home, a place. How good, God says. How good and pleasant it is when we live together. When we get together united. When you're united. See, a a, a lot of us are want to be like only child Christians. When you're the only kid in the house, it's easy to be in unity. But you don't know what unity is until your brother steals your toys. Huh? You don't know what unity is until somebody wants to sleep in your bed. See, so so unity is just a theory when you're by yourself. Unity can never become a reality until you share. And God says... I like it. It's good. I bless when my people get together. He didn't say just anyway and fight, but get together in unity. Now watch this. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. The high priest, Aaron. And the Bible says that as the holy anointing oil was poured on the head of the high priest to qualify him, to sanctify him, and anoint him for his office, and it ran from his head down, Christ being the head of the church, and we're his body, the oil of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised him from the dead, begins to be poured on the people of God as we come together in his name. In unity, honoring God. And begins to come and be poured. He says, it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows His blessing, even life evermore. There is a blessing bestowed when the presence of the Holy Spirit is poured from the head over the body. There is a presence and a blessing for Zion. There is a a presence and a blessing when God's people gather together. And this is where I would want to close. There was a, there was, think of this oil, this a Holy Spirit, this anointing that comes from the head to the body on the robe, on the garment. In, in Mark chapter 5, a little lady was bound for 12 years with an issue of blood, bound to her home, restricted by her illness from even touching someone. And finally, she reaches a place where she says, I cannot live like this any longer. She had heard the message of the healing power of Jesus and so she she leaves her home and she goes into the crowd and, 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 and maybe she was knocked down because the Bible says she, in, in her faith, in her journey, she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. Maybe she was crawling, and maybe the crowd had pushed her down, and she's weakened and emaciated from twelve years of sickness. And she says, This is what I know. If I can touch his robe, I don't have to touch him. If I can just touch what's been touching him. If I can just touch what's been anointed from the head, my life's going to be different. And when she touched him, she was instantly healed. He said, Power has gone out from me. Do you understand? The blessing that we carry, that when we gather together here to worship him and the oil of his presence is poured all over us and we have the manifested presence of God, do you realize what happens next? Then those that touch us who have touched him can see their lives changed. And maybe the friends and family and those around you are 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 bound with issues and don't know how to get to God and are afraid and intimidated or or, or hurt or wounded. But here's the good news. When we come together and worship, we do not leave the presence of God here because the Spirit of God has been poured on us like the oil of anointing. And like the little lady, like your neighbors, like your co-workers, like your fellow students who are desperately searching for someone to heal my broken life just carry his presence wherever you go just carry the oil that's been poured on us and realize that Sunday's so big because we come in the presence of God and he manifests himself i want you to stand with me and we're going to pray an important prayer before we are released to go home today what a day We've had, huh? Praying for Israel and being hearing the heart of those that lead that nation. And, and, and then for us to stand together on this Sunday saying, we love you, Lord. We honor you. We're standing together. We're not hiding. Everybody hear what I'm saying? We're not hiding here today. We're, we're refueling. We're re-energizing. We're re-encountering God. God's going to do something through your life this week. And I believe the Lord is in this place right now. We've come together in His name. Someone says, well, Pastor, I can't see Him. But I believe, I want you to hear me. I believe the evidence of His presence is about to be released right now. What do you mean? Well, if you're sick and He heals your body, then I would say evidence is here that God has stepped in this place with us. If your heart is broken and it's healed today, That I would say there's evidence that the Spirit of God has stepped in this place with us today. What do you need in your life? In your journey? Healing for a broken heart? Hope again? Forgiveness of your sins? I don't know about you, but I I have to be honest. I've been in enough dead churches that if I got in the middle of something I just saw like that in that tribe... I know some of you think you're God. I hope that never happens. I, I'd kind of like wish I'd have been there. I mean, I'm not the right color, but but I would have still felt at home, huh? I would have jumped in there and high fived everybody, and throw me up in the air one time. I'm happy too. I am mean, I'm i I'm. Hey, this is a game. This is real. This isn't religion, this relationship. I want to pray for you today. Let's release the presence of God. If you came in broken, you can leave home. If you came in hurting, God can change you. Just for His glory to settle in this place. Let's pray. Father, right now, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray for healing. For the evidence of your presence to be manifested right now. Lord, so many days we hear it. So many testimonies we've heard. Lord, I look around this room and my eyes just fell on a man that you healed of cancer. I look around this room and my eyes just fell on someone that had been healed of a heart condition. I look around this room and I see prodigal sons and daughters that have come home. I look around this room and everywhere I look, I see the evidence of the presence of God. I see women in the recovery ministry who are free from a life of addiction that will never walk back in that again. I see the evidence of the presence of God all around me today. God, I see the evidence of your presence when we join together. When, 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 when others are walking away from Israel, we're holding them up because it's the evidence of the presence of God. Lord, release your healing power now. Save those that are lost and heal those that are broken and restore hope to those that are weary today. And remind us of the incredible presence of God made available to us in a great way when we come together to worship. Father, we declare these things done. We release your power. Pour the oil on us today. May we leave here covered with the presence of God. May we carry it to a world desperate to find hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. God bless you.